Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. No Holiday Bowl tonight, but you've got us. Welcome aboard. It is Fox Sports Radio, the Doug Gottlieb Show, brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Whoever you root for, whatever sport you love to watch, the biggest games are even bigger in Vegas. So make sure to plan your trip today. As Visit Las Vegas. Com. Find Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. You got any keen betting advice? You know, we see you on Fox Bet Live. And uh, you got anything that we should uh, maybe jump on in the time I mean, being I, while while games are still being played? Yeah, the 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 line. Oh, you mean for tonight? Or any, any game. Could be Saturday. Well, I, could be New I mean, Year's I, Day. I, could I, be the semifinals. I like Utah to, to win against Ohio State. I like that even before the Ohio State opt-out news. <laughs> Yeah, the NFL no. lines are are very very stinky this week. I don't know if you've looked at them. They are they are atrocious. They're bad, um, and so I can't give you anything on the NFL. I need to do, I need to do some more work on that one first because the NFL is is ugly, buddy. I just it's funny the uh, Rose Bowl with uh, Utah and Ohio State. Utah fans uh, coming out in full force. So they can oh, make the uh, there'll be a lot of know. Utah fans in that game. Yeah, there there could be 60,000 Utah fans. In fact, yes. Ohio State sent back some of their ticket allotment, which I think also shows the motivation of, of their fans and maybe the motivation of that team going into the game. Utah seems to be uh, uh, obviously motivated. Their first ever Rose Bowl appearance in doing so, uh, now as a member of the Pac-12 getting that opportunity while Ohio State, you still wonder if they're stinging from their loss to Michigan. You mentioned Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Not only that, uh, starter on the offensive line and defensive line, not going to be playing in the Rose Bowl, which is which is crazy to think of, Jeff, because you come from Southern California. Yeah. That's where you were born and raised. I was born and raised in North Central Wisconsin, and so those places are not like any. They are not like each other at all. But there is one common bond, and that is the love and the connection of the Rose Bowl and just just seeing this game and it's not just the opt-outs of Ohio State and and players not playing in the Rose Bowl it's actually an even bigger picture because to me the Rose Bowl will never be the same and some people feel like it has, hasn't been the same since they got into the playoff rotation or once it was put into the BCS National Championship game it was still fine for me in that point because there were opportunities where you still would have a Pac-12 Big Ten matchup. It may not be every single year, but I kind of came to terms that now every you know three years it may kind of veer from from the normal, but you're going to likely get to a Big Ten Pac-12 matchups in a three-year cycle. That is not going to happen, I think, once the college football uh, playoff expands. I think now with the opt-outs, it's changed. I just, uh, as someone who's loved the Rose Bowl, and I know that you did too in growing up where we did, yeah. It's very sad for me to think that the Rose Bowl is all of a sudden becoming uh, or won't be what it always has been. Yeah, so uh, my parents are, are UCLA grads. I've probably been, and they have seen tickets to the Rose Bowl since the 70s. I, I probably have been to 50 UCLA games in my life. I've been to one Rose Bowl. It was Texas 
in Michigan the year before. Uh, mm-hmm. Excuse me, it wasn't Texas, Michigan. It was Michigan and uh, – no, it was Michigan, Texas was, yeah. the year before Texas, uh, USC played in the Rose Bowl. Um, and, you know, it's the granddaddy of them all, right? It's it's a game that is very kind of near and dear to my heart. It's a game that, that I love. It's a Pac-12 guy. He went to Oregon. You know, that was a game that I always wanted to play in, right, it was the Rose Bowl. And, you know, because of, of the culture Bowl playoff – and I think this is a, a real downside to the college football playoff. And, and, and I'm for expanding it, but I just think this is still – there would be downside either either way. Is, you know, for Ohio State, it was playoff or bust for them this season, right? Yes. And even though they've won 10 games, they've had a good season. They deserve to be in a Rose Bowl. This game is looked at as less than because they didn't, they didn't make – and even they didn't win their conference. They didn't make a playoff. You know, Oregon, Oklahoma play tomorrow night in the Alamo Bowl. Obviously, there's some weird things happening with coaches there, right? I mean, Stoops and whatnot, and all mm-hmm. Oregon staff. But they're two ten win teams that are almost that, that like fan base. I feel like disappointed to play in Alamo Bowl. And though, I mean, Alamo Bowl, two of uh, Oregon, Oklahoma, now Oklahoma fans want to kind of get revenge on a 2006 game that, that we beat them in. But like, there's the the playoff has diminished. The, the excitement there should be for winning 10 games and winning your conference. It's a great thing. Now, luckily for this Rose Bowl game, we have a team in Utah who is over the moon to be at this game, right? It's the first yeah. time they have won the conference since they joined in 2012. It is the first time they've ever played in a Rose Bowl. It's a team that started one and two this year, switched quarterbacks, and lost one game between that, which is Oregon State at Oregon State. Team that had to overcome a lot of hardship, right? They had a player about a year ago now who accidentally passed away from a gunshot wound. They had another player who was murdered this season. I don't know if people yeah. have realized that. Aaron they were Lowe, best friends, yeah, yeah, they were there. Yeah, that as well. And, and there were ten or so players at that party that saw that happen. And so they've overcome a lot this season to even just win games, but then to beat Oregon twice in in, in the way they did. And mind you, everyone in Utah would have told you, "Hey, next year's our year." Right? They started nine new guys on defense. Yeah, they had a quarterback change midseason, not even midseason, early in the season with Cam Rising replacing Charlie Brewer. And so for this game, they want to be there. They want to win this game. They And to them, it doesn't matter whether or not Ohio State is playing at 100% or everyone's there. To Utah, it does not matter, should not matter. And bowl game motivation, unfortunately, is a big part of how we handicap these games, right? Yeah. And Utah wants to be there. Utah style of football, run the football. Now, their offensive line is not as good as Oregon's or Michigan's, who do both dominate Ohio State's front. But the idea is still there, right? Where you just run the football, you play action pass. Cam Rising, Utah's quarterback, does not turn the ball over. He's actually more mobile than he probably gets credit for. And with with Utah's, you know, with, me, with Ohio State's two best wide receivers out, that that fear of stretching the field is not as is there, right? Because those guys aren't there. So I think Utah wins this game outright. But the Rose Bowl to me is always sacred. And look, Dan, there also needs to be conversation with the Rose Bowl. Like, hey guys, I get it. I get why it's a sacred game. But the sports moving on without you, you yeah. better get in line now and and and, and well, be a team player. Well, even even if they get in line, it changes everything. And I think that's the difficult part of all of this is there's – first of all, like in the, in the Utah scenario, 
it shows you how important it is. It's not that like Utah hasn't played in big bowl games before. They absolutely have. They won the they Fiesta Bowl BCS over Bulls, Pitt. Yeah. yeah, they 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 in Urban Meyer's perfect season, they beat Pitt in the Fiesta Bowl. They went to the Sugar Bowl and beat, beat it a Nick Satan. Yeah, Nick Saban led Alabama squad. They've won those games before. They've went to those games and won those games, but this is different being the Pac twelve champion. And that's what made the Rose Bowl so unique. And I know, I I don't know, Jeff, I don't think that there are, but I'm sure that there are some nostalgic fans in the South and some that love the Sugar Bowl. Maybe they love the Orange Bowl. Those bowls have kind of, their their luster has kind of gone off as the BCS and the college football playoff have now been in place. Those bowls maybe aren't as unique anymore, but the Rose Bowl still was different because of the setting, because of what was at stake, because, as we said, you're from Southern California. You're from a UCLA family. I'm from the upper Midwest in Big Ten country. That was always something that you looked forward to, and now you expect expand the playoff if you if the Rose Bowl didn't get in line now you're talking about the third place Big Ten team against the fourth place Pac-12 team vice versa yeah 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 whatever whatever way it is so it's not like the same that it is right now and then if you get if you do get in line with it there's no way that you're going to automatically get a Big Ten versus Pac-12 matchup you'll just have the seeds of you know whatever matchup or whatever it would be so so this Rose Bowl as we know it now is just about to change and we will it will never be the same again and as a longtime lover of the game and as you are as well I think it's 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 a bit of a shame but it's it's reality yeah, but but I will I'll push back a little bit on that. I I, I do understand your point, but we've had you know, we had Texas USC in the Rose Bowl. That that game wasn't diminished because it wasn't a Big Ten. You know, that was a championship game, obviously, maybe the best game ever. But it wasn't diminished because of that, right? We had Oklahoma and Georgia a couple years ago in the playoffs. Actually, four years ago now, right? The double overtime game that wasn't diminished because it wasn't a Pac-12 Big Ten matchup. I mean, I think the, the, you're still going to get a good football game. It's just not going to be the teams that you expect to be there. But the setting is still the same. You should still get a good game. And I think that it's odd because I never thought players would opt out of the the Rose Bowl. Heck, I never thought Kenny Pickett, a quarterback, would opt out of a New Year's Six Bowl game with a team that hasn't been there in like 15 years. Mm -hmm. So it's all new. And again, I I don't begrudge any players for doing that. I I get it. I'm fine with it. Um, But I think think it's still looked at, especially – in the Midwest and and in and, and the West Coast as the Grand Table. Now the South, I don't really care. I, I I think I think fans are excited to go to Southern California in the winter and excited to see the Rose Bowl and be there. But the nostalgia is not quite the same as it is for for me and you. And I also yeah. think too the, the you know this alliance right the Big Ten, Pac twelve, and ACC. I mean the Big Ten and Pac twelve typically have aligned academically over the years, right? They've aligned in, in kind of sports success, and so I think it meant a lot to play that game with those two conferences. Yeah, I I, I agree, and that's the part of it. Like I understand that there were great games, like there were there were you know magnificent games when it wasn't Big Ten versus Pac twelve, and maybe it was just one of the conferences representative, but. Represented, but when you have the opportunity to know that, all right, even even in a year when, like this year, for example, I thought would have been the case. Maybe it's not now with what we talked about with Ohio State. You're not in the semifinal. You're not in the college football playoff. However, there is still excitement. Ohio State went to the Rose Bowl a few years ago against Washington. They were left 
left out of the college football playoff ended up being Urban Meyer's last game, but there was still excitement about that game. Like that would be the consolation prize. And the Rose Bowl never was considered a consolation prize in years back, but considering how the Sugar Bowl and maybe the Orange Bowl have looked differently or even the Cotton Bowl as we talked about, like the Rose Bowl still had some cachet. And I just think that it will always have the cachet, but it will never be how you and I grew up and watched the game. It held on like to those final few threads over the last decade or so of still having that Big Ten Pac-12 thing, but it's never going to be the same like like we had hoped for it to be. Now, not to disparage Utah at all, but if Ohio State was playing USC, do the players opt out, you think? Yes, I do. I don't think it has anything. I I agree with you there, but I think this game has looked at differently if you're playing USC and not Utah. Sure. Yeah. 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 I think I think so as well. I, I don't think that there's as much hype about this game either, um, as opposed to maybe if it this was. Gonna be a, I, I, brand, I took Utah but. plus seven. It's now like plus five. I think. Um, I'm I'm a Pac-12 guy. I mean, I do yeah. Right. I'm literally getting off the show at uh, in what with an hour and going right into my. We we actually moved our show up an hour. How about this? We we moved our show up an hour. Do a Holiday Bowl preview. Um, <laughs> so the Holiday Bowl was going to be played. Our show only oh. seven to nine Eastern. On, on Sirius XM 373, where we moved to 6 to 8 Eastern to put a holiday bowl out. So we had like this whole UCLA show. So we had like UCLA guests and we had all the stuff for the bowl. We had NC State guests yeah. and our producer had to scrap it all and we'll just do a regular show. Um, so I am very excited for Utah. Obviously, I, I don't know if anyone else on national radio is going to talk as I did about Utah. So I am personally excited for the game. As you mentioned, Utah sold every time they have sold tickets, they have sold out immediately. They, they have some, someone paid for all the students to go to the game. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a wild atmosphere for Utah fans. I don't know if the Ohio State contingent will match that energy. The 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 whole scenario. I grew up. I I've been an Ohio State fan since I was young, and and I the there is just not the same sort of excitement. Uh, for this game, it's not meant. It's not meant to be a knock at Utah at all. I think it's the disappointment of of not beating Michigan and not getting into that Big Ten title game that just kind of sucked the air out of things. And now you kind of have these withdrawals, kind of make it a little bit more. So yeah, it just doesn't seem to well, have so, the okay, buzz so that it once did. So you're an Ohio State fan, yeah. How do you feel about this game? Oh, I I, yeah, I think that Utah is a really good chance to win. No, Ohio I, State's I, best I, linebacker I is a former I'm, running I'm, back. I'm, um, I mean, like, like how do you, like, for example, Oregon, like I said, Oregon, Oklahoma's tomorrow. It's the first time in my life I have not cared about a bowl game. Do not mm-hmm. care. Like, just get to next season. We, we yeah. have a brand new coach. Like, how, that, the feeling you have, not not the matchup, but the feeling you have sure. for this game. Yeah, it, it's not as, is not as, uh, immediate it's not as exciting i've been yeah. since i've lived in southern california I've, I've, when ohio state played oregon in, in the yeah. new year's day 2010 and then against washington you don't have to remind me okay no, it's just in those you, two matches i went back this year take that ohio state <laughs> but the the i'm yeah not ex, not as excited this year i don't think i mean tickets on the secondary market were under 100 bucks i mean that's yeah, that's it's surprising. I mean, I'm sure Utah fans are still – it's going to be a sea of red no matter what. It's just going to be a lot of U's and U's yeah. out there instead of uh, Buckeye nuts. But that's – yeah, It's. It, it, I think that that also reflects on how this game is being viewed. Yeah, that it, Rose it does reflect that. Um, yeah. By the way, the NFL, Schefter just announced the NFL is adopting a new five-day quarantine guidelines. That puts Carson Wentz on the field against the Raiders. Is it from t- from today? Doesn't he have to be activated? But He could be activated by Saturday – so they, then, w- w- the, the, the way it works is you activate 
the player off the COVID list, it doesn't mean they're at, they're on the active roster for the game. So like the Chiefs did that with Travis Kelsey, they created a roster spot for him, but then did not activate him for the game because he didn't pass the he didn't pass the, pro- the protocols. There it is. So it's something to watch. But they, they, we knew that this was kind of in, in the works. Now it is in the works. Isaac Lauren Crown will have more coming up in about 15 minutes. He is Jeff Schwartz. I'm Dan Beyer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Real credit card questions require real people, someone who understands your issues and works to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Get Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Why one future Hall of Famer should take the advice of a Hall of Famer. We'll explain next year on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show at Fox Sports Radio. He's Jeff Schwartz, the NFL vet. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug today. It can happen easily. A few drinks become a few too many. It's time to go and you think of calling for a ride home. Now what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone, drive sober, or get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. As we mentioned just a little while ago, Jeff uh, saying that the the rules have passed in the NFL, now updated uh, COVID uh protocols for the nfl where players only have to be in quarantine for five days as opposed to 10 vaccinated or unvaccinated if you are asymptomatic uh, you can return after five days so that coming through by the nfl does change the situation uh with carson wentz question is if he is tested positive and if he's asymptomatic so i don't think that puts him in the game against the raiders on sunday but it just it's a lot better scenario for them to maybe have him on sunday so I, I have a question about this. Um, so they, they say, I, please correct me if I'm wrong here. And anyone on the show. I'll try because I've or, been wrong enough. Okay. So I believe the data shows, at least according to the CDC yesterday, that like after a couple days when you learn you have symptoms, you're not very likely to spread COVID if you have COVID. Like if you're, like I, like I tested positive two days ago. I'm feeling a lot better by like tomorrow. I should not be able. It doesn't mean I go back in, in public, but I should not be able. I don't have a, enough viral load to spread it. Right? Okay. That yeah, that's my understanding. It, it sounds well. about right. Okay. So if I am the Colts and Carson Wentz has a little bit of a runny nose five days out, am I letting him play or not? Well, is it even their choice? I, well, I, I, I don't mean, know. I don't yeah. know who makes the decision. But I'm saying, like, yeah. like what? What does no symptoms mean? If, if he has a little bit of a cough, I'm, a little runny nose, yeah, a little foggy. I, like, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not, and again, I'm not accusing the Colts of doing this, but the lines can be kind of blurry when that's the case, right? Yeah. To, to answer your question, I think teams would wouldn't care if guys had COVID and and were symptomatic. If they were allowed to play, they would want their best players to play. Right. Right. You know, like so. I think that yeah, I think that they would they would allow him if if it was within their power to play, especially with what is on the line. But I also also think that with all the thirty one other teams as well, that if they if they really had their way about it with things, that right. They it's would. not just the cold. I'm using them as an example. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that they would allow him to play, and and I believe what the CDC said, and and was that to your point about the five days, and then you're you know uh, asked to wear a mask five days after 
after those five days are done if you end up leaving your quarantine status. I mean, we, we in Charlotte, I'm in Charlotte. We have to wear a mask anyway, so that's really nothing different for us. Um, sure, sure. So, yeah. But uh, it's just like I said, like calculating the days like, okay, I can, I can leave the house on this day. Um, so it is um, – it's like your own advent calendar. You're just counting down. You're opening the doors until you can <laughs> actually get out of the house. I know, you do right? sound a little rough, though. I will say that. <clears throat> well, you my know. voice, I did five hours of radio yesterday. Probably should have done that. I have five hours today. Um, I have five hours tomorrow. You know, like this time of year, it's like fill-in year, right? It's like fill-in season. I can't let, I can't let my, my opportunities go. Yeah. No, I feel you. There, there are many a years where I've lost my voice around January 2nd or 3rd. Exactly. That, yeah. It just I, happens. It's a I mean, yearly I, tradition. It, it is, but it obviously make it, you know, when you're a little sick, it makes it a little worse. But uh, I'm, dude, I, I told my wife this. My wife yesterday was like, why are you working so much? I said, I'd rather take days off in like June. When there's, not, when there's no like sports happening, correct. When like there's nothing happening right now, I'd rather take days off in June or, or vacation days, and we go on vacation. Taking days off, um, you know, it now is not going to happen. Yeah, it's one of the, the the hidden secrets in the in the thick of the uh, NFL getting the playoff picture set, national championship in college football, Lakers losing five in a row. Yeah, so much to uh, so much to hit on. He is Jeff Schwartz. I'm Dan Bayer. We're going to talk some NFL and specifically as well about the Green Bay Packers and how they right now are in the catbird seat in the NFC. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Do you think it's okay to drive stone? The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Stop kidding yourself. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI paid for by NHTSA. Joining us now to talk NFL and so much more. You can find him on Twitter at by underscore JBH. Jason B. Hirschhorn joins us now, co-founder of The Leap. Just go to theleap.substack.com and get everything that you need there. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We, we, are, we are doing uh, great, trying to sort out everything with the, uh, the NFL and all the COVID policies and whatnot. Obviously, it's moving. We're not going to waste your time in dealing with that. I do have a question, though, in terms of me playing devil's advocate when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, a team that you know uh, pretty well. And it goes back to Saturday. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I do think that the Packers have been the best team in the NFL, and I've felt that way for about the past month. But is there concern with Green Bay with what Cleveland was able to do with their running game on Saturday as this team enters the playoffs? There absolutely has to be. And and that's true even if you look at the caveat. That game against the Browns was Kenny Clark's first back from the COVID list. Didn't have a lot of practice. He's obviously very impactful. Every part of that defense, but the run defense in particular, and they had other pieces that were coming back from injury. So you, you have to consider that, but still. 8.8 yards per carry. That's the number that they gave up. And sometimes those numbers can be misleading, but at 8.8, nearly nine yards per carry, you know that there is a problem. The Packers are frankly very fortunate that Kevin Stefanski didn't call run plays more often, especially during that middle portion of the game. Now, the Packers are not going to play a team as good as the Browns in terms of running the ball the rest of the regular season, I mean, Minnesota this upcoming weekend, even if they do get Dalvin Cook back, it's just not going to be that level of running team. And there may not be a team in the NFC playoff picture that runs it as well as them, but that's still an issue, right? Like, if the Packers can get one of those big leads early in the game, maybe you take that part out of it. That's been the formula for them for the most part this season. 
But if it's a close game, or especially if they're playing from behind and the opponent is incentivized to try to kill clock and run the ball, it has been an issue for them, and there's no reason to think that's going to change moving forward. So, speaking with the Packers, is that the reason why they haven't been able to finish games lately? I mean, it feels like the only run defense and like, yeah, it's kind of lackluster finishes because, you know, the Ravens had a chance to win that game. So, the Browns, is that, a, is that a, a factor of the run defense? But also, too, is the offense sometimes just feels kind of like the slowness and the slow tempo they play with kind of catches up to them by the end of the game? I think you hit on it with not just the tempo with the offense, but some of the ways that they called games later on with leads. If you looked at them this past week, you know, they had that big two score lead. They had that one particular drive where Josh Nijman, who's been their starting left tackle for several weeks now, he went out for a series. They bought it, brought in Ben Braden. They're the number four choice at left tackle. And for that reason, according to Matt LaFleur, anyway, they called three straight runs. Now, there are ways that you can call run plays, right, that's still aggressive, especially on early downs. But these were pretty straightforward. They were inside zone. In one case, they were running just to Ben Braden's side. They really played as conservatively as they reasonably or realistically could. And that combined with the drive previously where they tried to do the end around to Equinemius St. Brown that went for a negative 10-yard gain or loss of 10 yards, rather, those decisions – have really stymied them. Decisions like that have really stymied them the last few weeks. So the defense is certainly a part of this. It has not performed well of late, but the offense in the second half, when they have those leads, has been pretty conservative by their standards. So I think those are things that they're going to have to change, the offense part in particular, because they have the horses to do that in order for them to really sustain something in the playoffs, even though they are so talented. Jason Hershorn joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Jason B. Hershorn, because there are a couple out there. Find him on Twitter at by underscore JBH. He's the co-founder of The Leap, the Packers newsletter that you can find at theleap.substack.com. Also covering the NFL and college football for SB Nation. Are, are, are the Bears behind the times because Matt Nagy is still their head coach? Or are the Jaguars ahead of times now that they're able to interview uh, head coaching positions? I guess the question is, how surprised are you that Matt Nagy is still the Bears head coach when it seems like we know what his fate is going to be after week 18. I guess I'm not that surprised, mostly because that's not the only big decision that the Bears have to make, right? The Jags have already at least been reported that they are going to keep Trent Baalke, the general manager. That takes one of the big questions out of it for them. So if Baalke is going to be the general manager, he's presumably going to weigh in on the head coaching hire. They can start that process now. With the Bears, it's at least unclear from the outside if they're going to, one, retain uh, Ryan Pace, the general manager, two, if they're going to retain him maybe with somebody brought in above him, or three, obviously, that they let him go and make a new hire there. And then if it's that last one, what's that structure going to look like? Because there are some teams that have the head coach and GM on a level playing field. Some of them have one reporting to the other, and they have to figure those things out as well. It could be a very significant restructure of the organization. So for those reasons – I think it makes a little more sense for the Bears to wait. They, they can certainly interview head coaches now if they fire Nagy, but it's not like they can make a hire within a week's time, right? Like, they still have to go through that process, regardless of if they're going to bring in a new GM or not. So taking it to the offseason, for, for them will be the offseason, waiting a couple more weeks. I don't think that that's going to make a significant difference in the decision they ultimately make. The bigger thing for the Bears is figuring out what that organization is going to be structured like because that's been the issue for them for the better part of a decade now. Which job is better, the, the Bears opening or Jacksonville's opening? Obviously, I think it depends on 
who you like a quarterback, but I feel like the Bears is just a little more stable than than uh, than Jacksonville. Yeah, it's really hard to say that almost any team is less stable than Jacksonville at the moment, given what we've seen, not just this season, but in the last few years. Jacksonville, even though they have Trevor Lawrence, that's going to be the biggest selling point for them with any candidate. And they play a division that doesn't have an obvious long-term contender, right? Because the Titans have issues, the Colts have issues, Houston definitely has issues. But the Bears have potentially a franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. You know, he may not be Trevor Lawrence as a prospect, but he was considered a very coveted prospect coming out as well. And they play a division that, granted, has the Packers and Aaron Rodgers now. But even if Rodgers stays with the Packers, that's not going to be another, you know, decade of the Packers is controlling that division. There is a path here for the Bears to become the dominant team in that division with the right head coach hire, with the right moves in the next couple of off-seasons. So I think that you're, there's, a, there's a point there where the Bears could be overall more appealing, even if the candidates in question still prefer Trevor Lawrence, because the Bears do have other pieces of quality, more so than the Jags have right now. Again, that division might have more of an open path to – Super Bowl contention in the not-too-distant future. I think there's a real case there, especially if they reorganize that, that organization in a fashion that makes the head coach position more stable. I think that could be one of the more appealing jobs in the market full stop. And Jason B. Hirschhorn joining us here on Fox Sports Radio on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's Jeff Schwartz, NFL vet. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug. Kind of to circle back maybe to Green Bay with Nathaniel Hackett situation. He's going to be talking with the Jaguars. Could be talking with other vacancies as well. How much would his departure affect Aaron Rodgers and his decision this offseason? Well, if Nathaniel Hackett goes to Jacksonville, I don't think it affects Aaron Rodgers much at all, right? Like, he's not going to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's also not looking for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So, in that scenario, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. But it could affect things in terms of what that Green Bay offense is going to look like. The way that they have formed that offense since Matt LaFleur got there is all the big offensive assistants are given a particular piece of the offense to control. For Nathaniel Hackett, that has been the red zone. And for the majority of the last three years, the Packers have been one of the better red zone offenses in the NFL. And they actually started cold in that department this season, but over the last four or five weeks have really turned it on there as well. So there's a lot of things working for Hackett there in terms of his selling points and also things that could work against the Packers if he does indeed leave. And I think I, we need to talk more about Hackett and Jacksonville there. You know, there's a connection there, obviously, with him spending so much time there under Doug Marone and his previous staff. But it is also true that Hackett has a lot going for him in Jacksonville, independent of what happened with Urban Meyer. When he left, that was considered not just a surprise around the league, but was considered a surprise for some of the people in the non-football operations part of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They thought that he was someone who was going to be a future head coach, and there's a lot of people still there that think very highly of him, and that includes people outside the football operations and some within it. We've reported about this at the leap. He's been someone who I thought was going to be on the radar if and when that job opened up since September. And that's how early you started to hear things about maybe the Urban Meyer experiment not working out. So Hackett is more than just a dark horse candidate in Jacksonville. So I think that needs to be taken very seriously. 
Last question from me. Um, I did not believe Aaron Rodgers would sit out this season, and I certainly do not believe he's leaving Green Bay after the season, right? They're about to make their third straight NFC Championship game. They'll probably be at home again. They should, I would imagine, win one eventually. Maybe it's this year they do that. And this is the best spot for him to continue to try to win. Other locations don't have that. It feels like the Packers have tried to make some amends with him. Do you think the Packers ship him off after the season? I don't think that the Packers will want to do that. If Rodgers is ultimately agreeable to returning, I do think that's at this point what is going to happen. But Rodgers is such a wild card here, right? Like right now things seem very good for him in Green Bay, and he's acknowledged it. He's talked up the moves that Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, has made. He's always spoken well of Matt LaFleur and that coaching staff. So you look at the roster, you look at those relationships, and it appears to be on pretty stable ground. But you know, if the Packers go into the playoffs, you know, maybe lose surprisingly before the NFC title game, or even if they don't just make it to the Super Bowl, that could change how he feels about it. And it's impossible for us on the outside to really know. If Rodgers wants to be back, I think they find a way to make it work. They have to adjust that contract. You have a cap number into the $40 million range. That's not going to be tenable for them given the other situations they have with the salary cap. But – we just don't know enough about what Rodgers is ultimately going to want to do. And I don't even know if he knows at this point. It's just, it's so week to week with that situation. If they keep winning, he probably comes back. If they don't get to the Super Bowl, who knows? I think at this point, we still have to wait and see. Jason, I'm going to leave you with this one, and it's more of a general NFC question. If the season ended right now, the three teams at 11 and 4, Cowboys would be the second seed in the NFC. Is Dallas the second best team in the NFC? If we look at the teams as they stand right now today with who is available, the answer is probably yes. Tampa Bay, though, if they get healthy, they have several players who aren't expected to come back until either late in the regular season, really late in the regular season, or in the playoffs, I think they still have an argument there because that defense at its apex can be as good as any in the conference. Now, we haven't seen that in a while. Again, injuries have played such a big role in that, but – if Tampa gets healthy on defense, I think that's I think they're part of that conversation. I mean, they may be the best team in the conference full stop if they get truly everyone they need. But right now, Dallas, with the way that defense is playing, and frankly, the way that offense played, not just this past weekend, but if you, if you watch them closely, you know, they obviously have not been able to put up big point totals until, you know, again, week 16. But they haven't been that far off. Like, you see them, like, that was a really well-designed concept called the right time, and it's a small little thing kept it from working. They finally put that all together in week 16, and there's plenty of reason to believe they're going to be able to maintain some version of that moving forward. That's a very dangerous team, and they can certainly make a Super Bowl run. He's Jason B. Hirshhorn. Find him on Twitter at by underscore JBH. Covering the NFL and college football for SB Nation and also the co-founder of The Leap. I suggest you go to theleap.substack.com and read a whole lot more. Thanks, Jason. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Take care, guys. It can happen easily. A few drinks become a few too many. It's time to go. Do you think of calling for a ride home? Now what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over. You lose your license. You total your car. You kill someone. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. He's Jeff Schwartz. I'm Dan Beyer, a college football coach. Won a bowl game, and he's still not happy. We'll explain next here on Fox. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth 
absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. This is where real conversations happen. Listen to the Right or Wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's Jeff Schwartz battling through today. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug. It can happen easily. A few drinks become a few too many. It's time to go. Do you think of calling for a ride home? Now what's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over. You lose your license. You total your car. You kill someone. Drive sober. Get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Midway through your COVID battle right now, right, Jeff? Yeah. Your your wife's a little bit ahead of schedule. Yeah, it. we're we're, uh, we're we're making it work. It's uh, you know the kids don't have school right now either, so we're just having a little party. We, we got the pool heated. We're just having a little party at the house. Nice, nice. Get him on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. Let's head over to the news desk, guys. Glow and Cron giving us all the headlines of the day in a segment we like to call the Press. All right, Isaac, what do you got for us? Well, Dan and Jeff, earlier today at the Birmingham Bowl. Number 20, Houston. The handball, as we like to call uh, it. Yep. Right. Starting in 2022. That just in, by the way, in the press. <laughs> Number 20, Houston, defeated Auburn by a final score of 17-13, to 13, but apparently that was not enough to satisfy Houston head coach Dana Holgerson. As Auburn head coach Brian Harson was conducting his postgame news conference, Holgerson could be heard in the hallway complaining that Harson was taking too long. At one point, even yelling, Hurry up! Holgerson's frustration was still evident when he took the microphone himself. Listen. Coach, can you start with an opening statement, please? Yeah, I need to have separate press conferences during this. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we won the game, and I'm just standing out there for 20 minutes. I don't quite understand that. I'd, I'd get that together. <laughs> Listen, this is what happens. is The winning team is likely thought to celebrate, right? Like, they're out there celebrating. So put the losers in first. And then you can have your press conference after you've gotten the trophy and all that stuff. That's that's why it happens. It's not like you lost the game, you have to wait around longer. It's just the Auburn press conference took a little longer, is my guess. It did. I just love bowl season, dude. It's the most wild, random thing that we do in sports. <laughs> Oh, man. We also have an item that just came down regarding the cancellation of the Holiday Bowl between UCLA and NC State. NC State head coach Dave Doran not happy about the way the cancellation was handled. He told reporters a short time ago in San Diego, quote, felt lied to, to be honest. We felt like UCLA probably knew something was going on, didn't tell anybody on our side. We had no clue they were up against that. I don't feel like it was very well handled from their university. It would have been great to have had a heads up. So two or three days ago, we could have found a plan B. Disappointing. Unquote. Again, that's the reaction of NC State head coach Dave Doran to their holiday bowl game with UCLA being canceled because of UCLA's COVID issues. They could have I let the uh, get the, it, but if they're all go ahead, can, like they were going to like they were going to cancel three days ago. Why, why would it matter if they told you? I just feel bad for all the people that at Petco Park that had to put that stadium together, oh, oh, paint yeah, the field, 
and yeah. do everything. And now there's no there's no game to show for it. How about prepping for a Holiday Bowl preview show and not having a game, which yeah. is what Jeff Schwartz had to deal with. Yeah, oh, we, man. We, we will be able to talk for two hours about, about Pac-12 sports, don't you worry. But yes, we had a whole UCLA show <laughs> and NC State guests and everything. Uh, and that show starts in like seven minutes. Oh, okay. Well, this one ends in about 30 seconds. That is the press. Thank you very much to Isaac Lohenkron. Get him on Twitter at Isaac Lohenkron. Jeff, it's been fun. I hope you feel well and feel better. For Jeff Schwartz, I'm Dan Beyer. We'll talk to you soon on Fox.